I'm so excited. If you guys haven't met Christy Forbes before, she is an extraordinary human being who, without whom our family would be in massive crisis. Um, she is a proudly autistic human being, advocate, coach, leader. And I would say that most of all about Christy is she's a leader. And she, the work that I've done with Christy has helped me so much being able to work with Daisy and love her and advocate for her and understand her um, in her crisis, you know, PDA, um, autistic. Um, person in burnout and just exactly, you know, how burnout and other, you know, chronic illnesses which are common for human beings who are neurodiverse and can mean that we literally cannot push through. And we talk about that. And we also talk about, you know, why so many human beings that I work with, um, myself included, find themselves in crisis because they have, because our generation was taught that we had to push through and shamed if we couldn't. And, you know, when you hear people talking about what well, it was good enough for my generation, it, it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't. We, uh, we pick up the pieces now in adulthood of humans who can't feel, don't know how to feel so disconnected from ourselves. Um, some of which is, you know, like myself, I'm, I struggle with um, interceptive, with uh, interceptive awareness, hypo-interceptive awareness, which means I've, uh, I struggle to identify the feelings within my body and the lexithymia, which again is, um, for me, is a presence, like I struggle to be able to describe how I'm feeling and the sensations in my body. And that's the same for a lot of the people that I work with. And so we spend a lot of time in my work working through that because, you know, things like interceptive awareness, you know, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's a skill that we can learn. It has very, very great uh, benefits to us. But it's it's just a really important warning call for all of us who might be getting frustrated with our kids for not being able to push through, you know, and mental health days and all of these things that are very alien to our generation, but that are actually just really, really important in not denying, not suppressing what's actually happening for us so that we can learn 
to be with ourselves in our distress instead of running away from ourselves, escaping ourselves, ignoring ourselves until we get so burnt out that we can't function anymore. Anyway, I think you'll find, I mean, Christy's just extraordinary. I was so happy that she decided to come on the podcast with me. So I hand over to her and me. I hope you enjoy it. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships, and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol-free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you, saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barok. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people. Their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. So Christy has done two things. Christy, I, I've got Christy on here, um, invited her, and she's very kindly agreed to come and be part of this Instagram live with me, which we are going to turn into a podcast. Um, and I'll, I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll just invite her again. Um, because I came upon her when my little one was really struggling we were being told there was something wrong with her um she'd been diagnosed as autistic but we were being told that there was you know that she was you know not trying hard enough not being good da, 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 all this stuff and it felt very damaging and it didn't feel right and i found out a little bit about pda and then i started following christy i joined one of her courses which absolutely changed my life in tune with PDA, it was called. Um, and then since then, I discovered that my child was in autistic burnout. And that just, Christy's um, teaching has helped so many people, but it really, really helped me. Um, and I know that so many of our gang um, have either uh, potentially diagnosed or undiagnosed um, neurodivergent or have um, some trauma or just by fact of being a, a woman human uh, or a female assigned at birth human um, have had to suppress ourselves. Yay! Uh, <laughs> we did it! I'm so sorry. 
Don't and there's no filters. This is this is wow. I know, but that's okay. Oh. We can do it filter free. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's what I love about you, Christy. You're like, yeah, we can do it filter free. We're like, yeah. I'm like, she's like the one who, who um, is my inspiration for, these, for like not having to put on all these. Oh, that's really common. <laughs> my phone so is on the charger. Sorry, I'm just oh, trying that's to. That's okay. It's all right. I was just saying how I came upon you as um, when I discovered my, um, my youngest child was autistic and I couldn't quite, everything didn't quite sit right. And then I started finding out about PDA and I got onto Christie's In Tune with PDA course and it was tra transformational and I've done it twice since. Um, and then we, yeah, yeah, love it. Um, and then we um, found out that Daisy, or through Christie's work, I started to understand that Daisy had um, autistic burnout. And then everything started to make sense and I changed we changed our, our family way of parenting and, and behaving and it made such a big difference to all of our lives. Um, and then in addition, I was just saying to Christy before I get her to introduce herself and talk a little bit about the subject, that she, what she's also done for me, and I know this is probably a bit awkward, but I do want to share it because I think it's important, is as a leader, which she is in a space, she holds space for human beings, who are navigating their way in the world. And she has been very open about what she's able to do and what she's not able to do based on you know, her physical condition, how she's feeling mentally, physically. And that has given me as a leader such, um, it's almost like, I want to say permission, but it's not permission. It's like, you know, it's modeling of, how we get to show up in our business as neurodivergent human beings, trying to do good work, but also being able to, you know, having to work within our own kind of ability to do things as well, um, and ability to push through. Um, so I wanted to thank you on air, but also, you know, um, just acknowledge that as well, because I think it's a really big and beautiful thing that you give to us all. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for being able to uh, receive that because it can be quite uncomfortable, I think, sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted, to, yes, I was like, oh, stop it, stop it. Um, <laughs> um, but I will pass over to Christy and ask her to introduce herself because um, she will do that much better than I will. And then we can start having a bit of a chat about the subject that we wanted to talk about today. So, Christy, over to yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so, oh gosh, it's been a long time since I've introduced myself, actually. It can be uncomfortable too. Um, I'm Christy and I am a late identified autistic PDA ADHD woman and parent of four autistic children with a background as an educator and um, I am passionate about reframing. I, you know, I used to say I'm passionate about reframing autism and positive autistic identity. I just find I'm passionate about 
supporting people to understand their human experience and know that we're all individual. I feel that we pay a lot of lip service to that, but we don't actually give ourselves the space to, to live that and be who we are. Um, yeah, so I support families raising neurodiverg neurodivergent children by facilitating closed spaces and I design programs that reframe neurodivergent experiences, um, mostly for parents who are raising neurodivergent children. How did I do? Was that all right? That's amazing. <laughs> That's great. And incredibly succinct as well. Whereas for me, I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I feel like I just, I was like. <laughs> Thank you so much. And such a wonderful job you do of it. Um, I wanted to bring Christian particularly today because one of the subjects that comes on up so much for me working with other human um, female at signed at birth generally people um, is this kind of notion of the conditioning that we have around pushing through and suppressing and and I know that Christy you've written a lot about this and I just find it seems to be the running thread in a lot of my work with human beings who are wanting to change their relationship with alcohol is that there's this and, and I am 100% there as well like still trying to learn how to to like feel my feelings my sensory internal my interception isn't great and that's something um that a lot of us mm -hmm. find um but also this like often you know many of us are having children that are struggling with the school system um diagnosed or undiagnosed neurodiverse or just humans who aren't finding the world is built to enable them to you know be feel safe in it mm. and um that's why i thought this kind of idea of pushing through and i'd love to get because uh, christy if you haven't read it she did an amazing post i think it was yesterday about autistic burnout that again just rang so true to me um and i just wondered christy would you what would you is there anything particularly you'd like to say about what we've just what i've just um talked mm. to I think it's really, um, when I look at human suffering, when I look at most people I know who are in the space of really suffering, usually at their core, there is some kind of belief that they're not good enough or they're not doing life right or they're not peopling the right way. And I feel very, very fortunate that I got to learn learn through my children that I'm autistic but before that there was 33 really long years of you know I mentioned to you before searching I used to say that I was trying to figure out what was wrong excuse me what was wrong with me yeah. now I can see that I was searching for I identity I wanted to know who I was why am I this way and searching for a sense of belonging community yeah. and um, 
you know, that's really hard to do when you have no idea who you are because you've spent your life trying to be what you think you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And we live in, we do live in a capitalist society that really values production around that hierarchy of wealth that excludes the very people who are working the hardest more often than not. And we lose ourselves in everything that's out there, you know? Mm -hmm. All of the things that we're taught are really important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, I find it heartbreaking that there are so many adults in the world that don't know who they are or that think they're not good enough and they're finding ways to cope or to medicate themselves because it is so incredibly painful. Yeah, it's just, it, mm. it's tragic. A hundred percent. It's so, it's so fascinating, isn't it? We, um, I, I have a membership group and we talk a lot about this a lot. And a lot of the people that I work with and myself included, we were kind of conditioned from quite a young age by, by, by you know, for whatever reason, to believe that, that you know, how we presented mm. wasn't as it should be. And yeah. we internalise that at such a young age, don't we? And we start to, you know, that's the lens through which we see the world. And I see so many human beings coming into my world looking like I'm to fix themselves, you know? Mm. And it's like, you know, I just think looking at the going from the perspective that we're not broken actually. Yeah. The world is yeah. not, not, not a not a great place for humans. And isn't it really interesting that when we do if we have any kind of breakdown, even the language, yeah. even the language that we've been conditioned to use, it's deficit based and it's it it implies that there's something wrong or that there's a weakness yeah. when people go through their entire lives doing what they think they should do being who they think they should be and then i feel like there's almost this spiritual aspect to it cannot go on anymore cannot push through anymore and so I believe for me, for myself, you know, because I'm neurodivergent, my body carries a lot of my pain and my grief and my emotional experiences. So I have a somatic way of being in the world. And so when I think, oh, I'm okay, I think I should be feeling bad, but I'm not, I've really overlooked the the fact that my body's taking that stuff on and then you know when it's not working anymore when I can't show up for work or I can't go and have dinner with friends or I can't get out of bed mm. because it's different for everybody then we've been conditioned to believe that there's something wrong with us yeah. that it's us yeah. but look at the world we live in and the demand on the average human being, it is insidiously 
subtle the way that we are almost trained yeah. to sacrifice our lives yeah. and, and yeah, yeah i just think i mean i it's lovely that you say that i'm almost modeling um not being able to show up but there's no choice for me like i don't yeah. do that yeah. I, and it's embarrassing and it's you know when you're in the public when you have a public presence yeah and you're very transparent and open about mm. constantly rescheduling things having to cancel not being able to show up i feel a responsibility to do that as well because who how could i how could i talk about things like demand avoidance yeah. how could i talk about things like burnout and care burnout and then push through and show up all the time i yeah it'd be completely counterproductive completely counterproductive mm. and i know that people like i said to you before i'm not always met with um i'm not always met with understanding and kindness mm. and yet i'm not i'm not throwing in the towel i worked hard to do what i do today and i'm passionate about it and i love it and and it's heavy work and my yeah. I also have personal life and so I'm not going to stop what I do just because I have a demand avoidant profile and because I burn out I mean we need to normalize this people who are not neurodivergent burn out as well yeah. we need to create space for those human experiences okay it's um it's really be interesting. I was um, talking recently based on the experience I had with my young person and um, she said to me and I felt, oh, this is very Christy uh, inspired intelligence on well, from her perspective. And she was like, um, when I can't go, when I can't do things and when I can do things both of those experiences are good and she said it's really interesting because the adults in my care team we've moved care teams now but um, implied that when I wasn't able to do the things that they wanted me to be able to do that that was a bad day for me and it's just like that reframing of language and just experience and being very authentic around you know yes we have days where we can do things yes we have days where we can't it's got no it doesn't mean anything about us you know as human mm -hmm. beings our morality are yes it's know. really neutral <laughs> i mean isn't it so like it's pervasive yeah. right these yeah. is that you know as a parent i was totally there i still can be you know you ask my children they'll tell you that i will butt heads with them yeah. and i will ignore their pda sometimes and just yeah. be like please just do it 
could you please just do this thing yeah. because that's my goodness yeah. but isn't it interesting again that other people decide what is acceptable mm. and what is not and especially for our children mm. adults deciding that a child who says no not okay yeah if we if we look at the situation there we have adults who cannot accept that someone is telling them no mm -hmm. but i think the issue there is boundaries yeah. and respecting boundaries and teaching our children that they're safe by honoring those boundaries yeah. and feeding back yeah. to how intelligent they are and PDA is not a defect. It is this innate protective wisdom yes. for somebody who has a hypersensitive neuroception. Doesn't that make sense that our yeah. neurology would be so incredibly protective yeah. when we are so incredibly sensitive? That tells me that my brain and body are is wise but yeah, 100%. i don't always like it no. but who does love their human experience every no. single moment single day yeah that's exactly right and like you say to be able to identify what your own human experience is i mean i went from age 11 to age 46 of literally being in a, like almost a, a completely constructed human being uh, performing yeah. Emma and you know it's only now at 50 that I'm still pulling together who was you know who did we leave behind you know back mm. when I was little and um, how do we get to bring them back into the, to the world um, and honor their experiences it's um i just think what you're saying around being it's a it's that holding allowing our people to be who they are and not to have to pretend to be something else to be loved yes yeah. Yeah. and for us and something yes. i really hard at 44 i've yeah. just started practicing this hey ali oh there is ali oh that's lovely we've got some really lovely people on here as well Hello. it's really hard at 44 to sit with the discomfort of someone else's yeah. discomfort when i have a boundary yeah. because i'm trained to be a people pleaser part of that is the familial, cultural, societal, and I think it's because of gender stereotypes yes. in well. Yes. Being a young, um, you know, AFAB person. Yeah. We, I mean, I knew from a very young age through magazines, through media, television, conversations, roles that were assigned, I knew how I was expected to show up in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah i'm doing all of that yeah the rest of my life and then some love what you're about who did we leave behind who is who is still in here that we've left behind that we need to bring that we need to bring back and provide safety yeah. for because for me that there is a little person in here that is still learning about safety and so yeah that is a really important part of of my pathway to um, working through all that really tough stuff yeah 100% and um I just I, I look now and I think well it took me 46 years to work this shit out and I'm still like learning to buggery I am and and I haven't even been in some of the situations that I look at my children having been in mm -hmm. um, where people are you know telling them you know that they're you know that they're bad or that they're wrong and often inadvertently um, but just kind of through often you know you can just feel it the vibrations perhaps of an older generation person who yeah. means well but just doesn't know better um, and the fear that they can bring into our world um and then you know the young person takes that on board and mm -hmm. makes it kind of like you know holds that inside themselves it's I, that's why i think the work that you're doing is so important and i'm i hold so much regard as well for our small people often who certainly in my family are you know really saying that they can't do these things anymore don't worry about that what's yeah isn't it interesting they can't do these things yeah and at such a young age yeah. such a young age i mean yeah. i love love that yeah. i i love it but so it's very sad and it's heartbreaking and it's distressing when our children our children are in burnout i mean yeah could you have ever imagined parenting a child in burnout I, I i didn't and in many ways it's distressing and in many ways i think for it to happen so young and for us to help them unpack that and for us to be provided an opportunity from that experience to do differently, yeah. what an incredible gift. Yeah. Because That's the alternative is the child masking and for whole lives and then getting to adulthood yeah. and potentially being able to come out of burnout. Yeah. Because, you know, there are really awful stories about what happens yeah. to our community. Yeah. I also picked up on what you were saying about the whole concept of consent and mm. control and compliance. And I think that it's, it seems to be at the moment that in the world you're rewarded for being compliant and being able and being and consenting mm. uh, to being, you know, to almost not being in touch with yourself. Mm. And what I think, the work that you're doing is so important for is that giving people the autonomy to start 
to notice and you know even though it's hard for those of us who find it hard to notice um what our human experiences sometimes um but giving that you know that permission to as well parents to to sort of say no um it's not okay for us to, to be pushing our children to be compliant against what their body and their brains are telling them mm. to do in whatever way they're telling them you know absolutely and i think people really overlook the fact that oh, i know this is a I never like talking about this, but this is a, a really reality. We take children and we teach them that they'll be rewarded for a yes. Yeah. And there'll be punitive measures for a no. Yeah. We effectively groom them. We're effectively mm -hmm. teaching them that their no is not important. It's not as important as what an adult wants anyway. And it's so interesting to me that we project all of this stuff onto children. Mm. We're adults. We've, mm. I mean, I'm 44 years old. That means I've lived on this planet for 44 years. My child, I think about my youngest who's nine and I think, okay, they've been on this planet for nine years. That's not a long time. Mm. Yet we constantly see adults projecting their own insecurities and their need for control onto children and then labelling what's going on for them in our children. And I think there's such an unwillingness to be open to new experiences from a lot of people and that's incredibly sad because there are also a lot of people turning to things like alcohol or whatever they're turning to to feel better and if we have to find something that makes us feel better what does that tell us about what it feels like to be a human being it's it's painful for so many people yeah yeah it's so interesting as i always i always say when i'm working with um humans you know if you have to get to a point i think with something like booze and it could be anything could be work i mean for me it's work as well i'm dreadful with that too mm. but it you know anything that you're using to kind of escape it has to get to a point where it's starting to kind of um, cause you more problems than it's um, than it's relieving for you, and also you know there's always that safety part of it as well. And, you know, I, I always say to people, you just, you just, it, sometimes it's safer to stay drinking because mm. the reality of actually having to sometimes, mm. especially for female assigned at birth um, human beings, potentially with children, you know, the reality of some of the conversations and things that they might need to have mm. in order to be able to live in the world without having an escape me mechanism can feel very daunting as well, you know, mm -hmm. to, to be quite a little bit heavy, but you know what I mean? It's... Oh, I totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I shared 
with you before that I, I was sober for 10 years mm -hmm. and identified as an alcoholic because I was yeah. looking for wherever I could find it and belonging wherever I could find it. And this was before I knew I was autistic. And I was very young. I was in my teens and, and 20s. And yeah. I remember this movie. It was called 48 Hours or something with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. And it was I know the getting... movie you mean. Yeah. I can't remember what its name is. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> but there's a line in there and I've always remembered it. And someone said, if only people realised how wrong it feels to be in my own skin sober. Yes. Yeah. And even without, even without addiction, even without, I mean, it, yeah, even without self-medicating, just existing in the world for 40, uh, for 33 years, not knowing I was autistic, mm. felt so wrong. Wrong. I felt mm. completely wrong. But thought, I think a lot of people put it down to trauma most of the time. Mm. Um, and it's, it's challenging to get through life if you're neurodivergent and not have some mm. form of trauma. Mm. But, yeah, it felt very scary and very wrong being me. Yeah, 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 100%. And yeah. I think that when you speak to most people who have had some kind of struggle with alcohol, you, you, there's always a story of at some point a, a number of different things have happened in their life which made them feel that it wasn't, that how they are is not okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know I have my own experiences of those things and pretty much every single human I speak to has the same. Um, and I, I think this, is one of the reasons that I think it's so important when we talk like this and we say that it's a mm. universal experience, you know, for so many of us, and that you know this construct of the patriarchal kind of mm. uh, capitalist productivity mm -hmm. is, is unattainable and impossible for everybody, um, and giving people permission by listening to, you know, people. Uh, us and other pe other humans talking about the fact that we are not able to do it because it's not doable mm. um, is really helpful. Yeah, it's scary though, isn't it? It's yeah. scary. I mean, you were saying before. Sometimes it's safer to stay yeah. drinking. Yeah. Sometimes it's safer to continue towing the line. Yeah, and I think absolutely part of the challenge with a lot of the families that I sit in community with when they discover their children need something different, whether that be a different way of learning, so learning at home, or whether that be that they need more autonomy. That stuff is terrifying because it invites, it almost invites instant judgment and criticism mm -hmm. because we also live in a world where we've been conditioned to pile on you know people who don't toe the line as though they're a threat to humanity and some of the things that i see i mean in it 
it's a real threat. People have CPS called on them mm. in some areas mm. of the world if their children mm. don't go to school. And there's so there's more questions than there are answers for people who say, "Well, how can I how can I be at home with my child? How can yeah. I?" work for myself how can i leave my job how what will that look yeah. like and there's so much there's so much risk involved mm -hmm. in shifting away from what we've always known and yeah. i don't think people give themselves enough credit for the courage it takes to step out not knowing whether they're going to land on solid ground or not. I mean, that courage is phenomenal. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Thank you, Christy. Oh, I just love talking with you. So it, it's just, it's, there's just so much to learn in this area. And I think so much for um, us all to just at least listen to have an open mind to in questioning the way that we approach our people when they're struggling ourselves when we're struggling mm -hmm. um, when we're finding things hard and um yeah I, I just really want to honor and thank you for coming and talking um yeah thanks for having me and inviting me oh it's been an absolute joy i've i um you know you've just given me so much and, and and given our family you know the opportunity to repair after even a really sort of difficult period and mm. and and i think the words that you say around um you know that we need to work a lot of the time it's the stuff we need to work on ourselves mm. it's not the children mm -hmm. it's us mm. you know it's mm. us as the parent we have to yeah understand why we're being triggered by what's happening and mm -hmm. try and find ways to to be the safe place in ourselves you know yeah yeah it's hard and giving ourselves a break yeah giving ourselves yeah. A break. like i just came off a call this morning and just reminded parents that even when even when we know our children need so much of us and we give so much of ourselves and, and we become tired and, and stressed. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could have more conversations about real parenting experiences yeah. I and mean, real human experiences. Like someone said, you know, I, I don't enjoy playing with my children. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay yeah but i know there'd be a world of people out there that would be like what oh yeah you don't enjoy playing with your children oh my gosh yeah i mean if, i just that is that i think that's so normal yes and it would be so common and it's yes. not anything to do with the children yes. we're adult we've been trained to not play we yeah. get to a certain we are shamed yeah. for playing. So yeah. Well, play, play is like rest, isn't it? We're not allowed yeah. to do it, you know? <laughs> we should be yeah. doing something productive. And we feel guilty <laughs> and we don't know how to do it anymore. Like yes. we're so conditioned that we don't know how to rest. Yeah. 
so conditioned we don't know how to be kind to ourselves we're so conditioned and trained from such a young age that we feel bad if we have self-compassion but like i do it anyway i struggle with it every day every single and i just think we we have to allow we have to allow ourselves to be human beings mm. and to not push through anymore to not push through yeah yeah not pushing through and not because i even find myself knowing what i know now which is still i still have so much to learn but with my big child because they are more able to mask and more able to push through that when they're having a hard time or how day, I kind of almost forget that they're actually an autistic mm -hmm. person as well and that they need downtime too and that when they're telling me their experience that I need to listen to that as well as my yeah. my other child who's more you know vocal about what they can and can't do yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to do that isn't it and I think yeah. too that it's great that we're all talking about different experiences and, and being autistic or PDA or ADHD mm. or, you know, um, it's one thing to write about it and speak about it, but demonstrating it as well, demonstrating that, and this is why I do say I have to reschedule because I can't. I can't, and I don't have any. I don't have any control over that or choice. And sometimes yes. I wish. Yes, hundred percent. But I don't. And imagine if we lived in a world where that was a normal human yeah. experience. Just went, yeah. oh yeah, they're just a PDA. Yeah, that's fine. If you want that's someone, okay. don't invite Christy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> invite person. But valuing everybody's yes. strengths and being aware that they also have limitations because yes. of their neurobiology and not yes. shaming them or no. making it a moral issue. I was born like this, you were born like that. And yeah. collectively, imagine, um, imagine what we could yeah. achieve. Imagine what we could achieve if we were able to just rest as well when we needed yeah. to and not push through. Jeez. Absolutely. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're an absolute gem and I so love talking to you. It felt so lovely and so uh, authentic and um, warm. So thank you. For oh, I appreciate it. Likewise. It's been really lovely and thank you for inviting me. Oh, no problem at all. And Christy, I know that people in my group um, would be very interested in your um, the work that you do. So would you be happy to share um, how people can find you? And I'll obviously put everything in the notes as well when you turn it into the potty. Yes, thank you for asking. So um, the website is www christyforbes.com.au uh, and Intune Pathways on Facebook, Christy Forbes on Instagram. That's it, I think. Perfect. Yeah. And 
and, and I'd love to meet you. So please yeah, reach out. You don't need a reason to contact. Just a hello yeah. is great. People do that. Yeah. And yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Christy. You're an absolute gem. And just a little one before um, you go. I'm doing a webinar on the 22nd of October. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to share a lot of um, information around alexithymia, interoceptive awareness, but it's really about how to be with ourselves in our distress. So it's this, you know, this idea that we have that the wine witch comes in at five o'clock and, you know, we go into battle with her and in, invariably we lose or we end up in such a, uh, a state of restriction that it will, it becomes inevitability that we will lose. Um, and this is really about rewriting that story, which has been so important to me. I think it's really important to the people I work with as well. Um, so that, you know, when we come home from work and we've had a really busy day and then suddenly we feel like we've got this sort of eons and eons of things to do and huge people to look after and, and it just feels overwhelming and, and wine seems like the answer. I'll take you through why that happens and, you know, what we can do differently so that we don't end up in this battling, restricted state of mind when we're trying not to drink. I don't like the word trying, but when we're not drinking and we can just move into more of a place of ease, less friction, and we can start making intentional decisions from our conscious brain rather than um, impulsive decisions from our unconscious brain. So um, please, 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 the link will be in this um, in the in the footnotes and also in on my website and also um, on my link tree on Instagram, Facebook. I look forward to seeing you there. Take care, my lovelies. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.